Some do it in private. Some do it in a car. Or on a train. Some do it in bed. Some do it in a shower. Some whilst in the bath. Some whilst on the toilet having a shit. We don't care how you do it, as long as you listen to the Kitmap pod. So welcome back to episode 26 of the Kit Mag Pod. Who's joining us this week? Hello, it's Mike, Footy Shirts. And Scott, Flying Scotty. And hi, it's Tom at Shirt Fan. And just quickly before we move on, did anyone see our position in the Belgian podcast chart last week? Don't follow the Belgian charts as avidly as I used to, Tom, but go on. So we were actually number 12. We are well safe of the relegation zone, which is bloody fantastic. And it also means that we're uh, rated higher than Pogba's new shit documentary. Pogmentary? <laughs> Pogmentary, come on. <laughs> I, I refuse to call it that. <laughs> his documentary's gone down as as, uh, as well as his performances for Man United over the last six years. You've all spent the last six years telling me how great he is for Man United. Now he's leaving, he's the, he's the worst player you've ever had. Okay, his documentary's as good as Man United's transfer business to do with Paul Pogba. <laughs> now that yeah okay I could argue that Chelsea's transfer business has been worse Scott just need the looking at me Lukaku documentary or something like that terrible pun terrible transfer is, is that like five million for a year on loan or something what was yeah. it in the end so some people were trying to look on the positive side and say imagine that he came to Chelsea for a year on loan but that loan cost them 100 million euros so no positive in that really Inter Milan's board of directors are what Ed Woodward thinks he was. Sold him for 100 million and then loaned him back the next year for five. That's exceptional. <laughs> yeah, you're laughing at your joke. <laughs> Let's move on to the news. Right, loads of it in the news this week. We are going to Germany first. Mike, I know it's Bayern Munich related, but we're not going to let you cover this. So Bayern Munich released a 10-year mashup shirt. Scott? Yes, they did. They've Adidas have followed in the footsteps of Nike and decided to create what some people think are a monstrosity, taking the, the 10 home championship winning shirts and created this mashup. Initially, it was released only to members and it sold out really quickly. The usual carry-on happened. A few people whapped it up on eBay for about 500 euros. And then, uh, yes, they believe they then released it on general sale on Adidas. And again, it sold out really quickly. So tell us about the shirt, Scott. Yeah, so it has a few nice features. It has um, the fifth star, obviously, that they've earned by winning this title. It has the Mayas and Maya logo printed on the back of the neck. And if you're interested, I'm not going to go through it all, but the designers have picked specific years to feature on certain parts of the shirt. For example, the, the hemline was inspired by the 1516 the home shirt. So it's actually been pretty well thought out. They've not just taken all the elements and made it like a jigsaw. The designers picked certain elements from certain years and used that for a specific part of the shirt. I think everybody will be dying to know Mike 
what is your opinion of it? <laughs> My honest opinion is that I don't actually like it very much. I, I don't think it's bad, but I I think that that mashup shirts they rarely get pulled off. If, if I'm honest with you, I think the only one I've ever really truly liked is probably the I think it was a Verda Bremen one from a couple of years ago. But I mean, this this buying one, I like the concept of it, the idea because you know regardless of what anyone might say about the competitive nature of the Bundesliga to win 10 leagues in a row in any league in the world is a major achievement and it's an incredible thing that should be celebrated I just think the execution's been a bit poor I have got one on my on the way <laughs> having said that but I mean that's the curse of a collector and you know I've you've got no choice um, shout out to at Bundesliga Baker for nabbing me one of those before they sold out thank you very much so I'm probably can you in fact do me a favour ask me next week when I've got it and I've done a complete U-turn my talk about how brilliant it is I think actually it's a, it's a good one for a mashup shirt I, I, I quite like it as long as it has the left hand side of Arjen Robin that's fine by me but also the return of the blue on the shirt. I mean, is is that controversial or is it? Yeah, true. Or yeah. is it not because it's not going to be worn in a game? I think, I think that's the key. I think because there's a lot of people saying, is it going to be worn in a game? For me, I can't see that it will be. That what, Why would they release it now if it, if it was going to be worn in a game at any point? And I don't know if you are, are aware of this, but there's already going to be a confirmed five shirts for Bayern next year. So the idea that this falls into a six to possibly be worn just is is just not possible for, for me. I I don't think it will be. One of the cool things I did think, though, I don't know if you guys saw that, that if you could have bought it direct from Bayern on the original sales, they weren't you weren't offered this on Adidas. You could actually have got the name of any player from the last ten years printed on the back, which was quite cool. Who would you have gone for? Being the weirdo that I am, I would have found a really obscure player from a season that played one pissing game and had him on the back. So people said, "Why did you get him on the back?" <laughs> well, with five shirts to buy next year, you're going to have to be buying them all. Right, let's move on and let's stay in Germany and go across to a, a kit that's caused a little bit of controversy on release. Yeah, so that's the Holstein Kiel uh, shirt. So basically this week they dropped their both their home and away shirts. Take a look at them. They're good looking shirts. Personally, I think they're, they're quite nice. But the one that is kind of had a little bit of controversy I believe is the home shirt have either, any of you guys seen this do you know what it's about isn't it the second Reich or something the, the, the flag is the colours are very similar to the flag or something yeah that, that is basically it they have to release the, the, some people might have seen on Twitter that the club actually had to release a statement to confirm they're not a racist club which is obviously something you don't want to have to do when you've just dropped your new shirt controversy comes down to that home shirt so you need to take a look at it it's got a really dark navy blue across the top a white stripe and then a red stripe across the chest the problem is this very closely resembles what is known as the Reichskrieg flag. And this is actually a flag which is used by neo-Nazis as a replacement for the swastika. And it's actually banned in a lot of states in Germany. And just whilst I say that, I just want to say a quick shout out to Louis Ostrovsky on Twitter, who puts a lot of this really good information out. So if you don't follow him, you should. That's at Ostral, which is spelled O-S-T-R-L. He, he was the one who I saw basically tweet the explanation as to why they'd put this statement out. I think it's really interesting because I think it probably is people just looking into it a bit too much because at the end of the day, it isn't that flag. It's blue and it's not black, but there is a resemblance. So people are going to make that connection. It's Twitter snowflakes, isn't it? Getting offended over nothing. I mean, the flag's very clearly, because I can see it on your wall in the background, Mike, the flag is clearly <laughs> black. <laughs> yeah, but the shirts dark blue. They're nothing alike. 
I mean, is that I will... Austin Kiel's colours as well? Is it their traditional colours? I believe that they are the colours of the club. It seems to be the fact that if you look at their kits, traditionally blue blue and white with red isn't unusual for them to use by the seams of it. But more importantly, I would just like to confirm I do not have any flags of <laughs> imperial flags of Germany hanging on my walls behind me. AD is a prick. <laughs> Mike, I don't know how much you've read into the shirt, but the bit that confused me about it was the flag that they say it's based on. The blue is far lighter. And then if you actually look at the home shirt, they've got the really, really light sky blue on the sleeves. Was there any explanation as to why they decided to use a dark navy? for the, the the shoulder bits that's what was confusing me yeah i think this is where the the sort of like the the root of the controversy comes from is because it does seem there doesn't seem to be an, an explanation as to why they have because i mean if you've seen the kit obviously there's there yeah there's two different blues with within the shirt and and it it does seem a bit strange i think the difficulty for me is when they designed that kit and they sat and they looked back and they they saw it for the first time Surely somebody said, oh, you know, does that look familiar to you? And then at that point, maybe with the controversies that we get in football, and even if we are being overly critical and saying that it's the Twitter snowflakes getting involved, even so, maybe there should have been a little bit more thought gone into it, because let's face it, we've we've had controversies with symbols in the past and those kits have been pulled, so. That's the thing, it's not... If this was, let's just say, for example, this was an Australian team, probably wouldn't even have been picked up. But is it a coincidence that a German team have put this coloured and it looks similar to a flag? For me, it's too much of a coincidence. And it's a bit of a Ricky Gervais moment, isn't it? He said in this new uh, comedy that if you have to look over your shoulder before you say something, you're probably racist. So if you release your shirt and on the same day you have to release a statement telling people you're not racist... See, you I, might think, be <laughs> I think there could be an innocent explanation. I think the designer could have just gone a little far right on the gradient. Ooh. <laughs> boom, boom. Let's move swiftly on. Final piece of news this week we have. Um, it's a good, maybe a good news story about how much we have to spend on. Yeah, it's definitely a, a good news story, this one. So the rumour is, as footy headlines have said, that Nike, considering keeping home shirts for two years instead of one and that includes all of their elite teams so this is obviously really good news for lots and lots of different reasons one being all of our bank balances we will not have to dish out every year for a new shirt obviously the ecological benefits are huge too there's going to be a lot less waste and a lot less manufacturing and yeah I just think it's it's kind of following in the lead that Umbro have set in the last few years with their clubs, Brentford and Hull City. They're currently moving into season two of a two-year shirt. So I think we're going back to the 90s in, in, in a good way and we might see these kits stick around for a bit longer. The only opinion I can give is fucking boo. I don't care. I like football shirts. I want a new football shirt every year. You don't have to fucking buy everyone. So don't buy it if you don't want it. I just, I I understand that there are, you know, reasons why we shouldn't have a kit every year. But at the end of the day, I'm a kit collector. You know what? I want a new one every year. I want four new ones every year. I don't care. As I say, I know there's always going to be an argument against that. And it's a selfish reason. But personally, I like new kits and I want to see a new kit every year. 
I'm a bit there with you, Mike, to be honest, but um, I was chatting, as some people might have seen, to one of my friends online, Phil Dells, when we were talking about it. And, you know, I think for for the, some of the fans out there that are not struggling, but, you know, you've got all the family and they want to buy all the kits every year. I can understand from a home shirt perspective, making a home shirt last two years, but I don't care if a team member releases five shirts rather than four, you know, or four rather than three. I think for some people it will make a difference. Yeah, especially, yeah. Uh, households are struggling at the moment so as long as they still release as many shirts but I think it's a good I think it's a good thing yeah I think positives to that just to add on to it especially like I said this is only being considered for home shirts like you said AD so you know we're seeing kits being released at the moment Liverpool for example the rumoured Chelsea one they're both with Nike and people were kind of critical of them because they're quite plain and it's always this argument of what can you do with a, a red shirt and a blue shirt that's so different every year so it kind of lessens that criticism and also a huge benefit is we're going to see the opportunity for some of these kits to become way more iconic because of the amount of competitions amount of special moments they can be associated with which is obviously a positive too yeah I think I was was going to be along the same lines as you there Tom I think the positive could be the longevity for the design because there does sometimes feel like there's maybe not they've not had so much of an idea about what to release or You've had a poor shirt, so if you have, if you leave it two years, it gives the design team to maybe come up with something a bit more unique, and it it can only add to the the longevity of getting better kits as opposed to just pumping out something because they have to do it every year. And I think parents will be happy, younger kids that that grow quickly and want all the new kits. It'll definitely be be better for for parents not having to buy so many kits for the children that inevitably won't fit them in a couple of years anyway. Yeah, I think we're in agreement there in the end, but but we're being very UK-centric. So from an Italian collecting perspective, I can't remember the last time Roma kept a home shirt for two years. It was probably back, it would have been back into the 80s, I think 87, 88, around that period. What was it like in Germany, Mike? Um, so, yeah, interesting. When, but at the start of this this 10-year run that Bayern have had, when they won the league in the uh, red shirt with the gold trim, it's actually the second year that they wore that. So there's, And then before that, off the top of my head, I think they, they did it between 2007 and 2009 as well, the difference being they added the, the additional star in 2009. So, so, you know, Bayern have done it a couple of times. Um, and the one thing we got to remember is that um, Ajax have had the same shirt for about 110 fucking years now. Another good thing in terms of collecting, I don't know if they'll do this or not, but it was interesting you mentioned Umbro, Tom. Back in the 90s, then there's quite a few interests and anomalies um, when you go from one season to the next. For example, the United shirts uh, from the 98 to 2000, you can tell which year your shirt was made because Umbro changed the, the size and label in the neck. So the shirt looks exactly the same but the white label in the neck is different because they changed the way they presented the size of the shirt. So even though the shirt is the same, it still creates these small little bits of knowledge that you can take forward in shirt collecting. I mean, it, with Hull as well, if they're going into their second season of a two-year Umbro deal, those shirts would obviously be differentiated because the EFL have changed the number set lettering on the back. So the kit from last year might be the same as this year, but the name sets will be different, which, yeah, like you said, there's another nice little touch. Yeah, and most teams love different sleeve sponsors as well because the cyber currency that sponsored them one year is on bus by the second year. Right, that concludes the news. We're going <laughs> oh, to... Oh, oh, you just, just unmuted quickly. Um, so we're going to move on I'm to... I'm not laughing at anything you say for the rest of the pod. I was spite. 
So there's been an absolute avalanche of new releases this week. Again, we're going to run through them very quickly and get one word answers, verdicts from you all. Scott, use your rules apply. You can have up to four words. Let's kick off then. Leicester City Home. Um, vanilla. For me, it's all about that colour. Monochrome. Panathinaikos. Love them all. Yeah, these brilliant, brilliant shirts. Yep, Kappa climbing back to the top again. Galatasaray. Favourite so far. See, depends. Authentic, yes. Yep, I would say the same. Class differential. My ex ho. Samey. What's new? Nothing. <laughs> Club. <laughs> Club Tijuana. Home, love it. Away, very simple. Yeah, home, like like lava or something. It's great. I've seen it. <laughs> <laughs> so, Bradford City, Macron, first design for them. Classy. Yeah, Macron, top form. Brilliant. Yeah, I can't remember last time I liked the Bradford City shirt. That one's pretty special, to be honest. Uh, St. Pauli. Poundland. Yeah, like crap team guys. Shitty brown. <laughs> that's the only sign in. <laughs> A full Kirk home. Clean. Yeah, that's smart. Really smart. Oh, I'm going to help them win. Rangers home. Improvement. A little bit Croatia-esque, maybe. Sponsor kills it. Aberdeen home. Old school. Love this. Yep, so this is my highlight of the week for the releases Club Rouge Outstanding that modern art yeah I was going to say Art Attack if you remember watching that show Stuttgart Historic yeah Cityscape yeah love the home I think it looks really good Millwall uh, now with Hummel uh, I like the colours yeah Cameroon-esque and we'll finish for the benefit of Liam Hewitt a big fan and listener with Crystal Palace away Really smart, really like it. Yeah, bold, really like this one too. Brush stroke. Not to be confused with breast stroke. Right, gents, um, highlights this week. Which uh, shout out a shirt each you really like that? Well, well, I was going to go Aberdeen, but I think Scott's bags that one. But I think that is a beautiful shirt. So instead, I'll go Panathinaikos. And not just a home shirt, but all of their shirts, the home away and the third. I think they're all really good efforts. And like uh, Scott said, Kappa going straight back to the top of their game. The home shirt in particular is really nice. It's got the, the kind of old school badge on there. Solid stripes with a little bit of detail in between. It's just a classy looking shirt, I think. It stands out. Yeah, for anybody who's not seen that, it's the anniversary of their stadium being built. And it's within the stripes, it's got tiny detail. It's got all the players that have appeared and, and played there over the years. So really really nice very very nice effort indeed the third as well the away though it just looks like the sponsor placement should have been in the it's got a horizontal bar going across it and the sponsors above it not in it it looks like the same template as Fiorentina last year but like they've mixed up the sponsorship placement yeah like you said really lovely though Uh, Mike what about yourself as I mentioned on the quick fire there my favourite is probably the Galatasaray I know that the, the template seems to be a bit hot and cold for a lot of people. It's a bit 50-50. Personally, I really like template. I think it works really well. It seems to be working with most shirts and Chelsea are going to come along and shit on that soon. But one thing I just want to mention quickly, I had a quick look because I know we shared it through the, the Kit Magazine account. One interesting point that was made by Galatasaray Shirts, which is at G Sarai Shirts. He's actually said that basically one thing to bear in mind is the reason that that stadium, as we shared, looks so bad is because he says there's actually... Three different versions, uh, and this is this is quite common in Turkey. I think when we talk about this, sometimes we we forget that the, the the overseas markets can be different to ours. So basically, there'll be the the authentic, whatever Nike calling it now, which I think we all agree looks great. There's a stadium which we might not have seen yet, 
and then theirs is basically like a fan version. And, and having been to Turkey a couple of times myself, one thing I will say is you do see a lot of fans and people walking around with those fan versions rather than a standard stadium or authentic. So I don't think the difference is quite as bad as people think. They definitely have more than three versions of each shirt in Turkey. I can tell you from experience of having gone to the market. <laughs> um, but I get, I get that. But that's still fifty-five pounds on release, and, and I agree that the player spec is it looks beautiful on the new uh, Nike I do, template. But... I think that the, the pro- one of the problem being, I think you got one thing I'd remember as well is that the pricing is different for different markets as well. So. I know it's £55 on the UK market, but how much will that fan shirt be, be being sold for in Turkey? Because obviously, it, it, in my opinion, I don't think that will be on the shelves for the equivalent of £55. You cry white before Brexit. That'd probably work out about 15 quid here, but with inflation since Brexit, it's now £55. <laughs> that wraps up the new leases this week. It's been a spectacular week for them. We'll move on to kit history. Kid history, kid history, we haven't made it up. Kid history, kid history, we read it on Wikipedia. Right, this week I've stayed in Germany. Um, I thought I'd touch on something that kind of relates to what we talked about in the news. So basically, we're going to deviate from the usual and we're just going to talk about something that happened with the buying badge ones. So basically, back during the First uh, World War, under the Nazi regime, Bayern were forced to incorporate a swastika into their club crest. This was because of the club's Jewish roots, so it was a punishment of sorts, and the regime was said to favour 1860. The club were even referred to as the Jew Club, and President Kurt Landauer was thrown into a concentration camp where he spent 33 days before fleeing the country for Switzerland. The team were even uh, punished once, got into trouble with the Gestapo because they actually visited Landauer whilst they were uh, playing a game in Switzerland. This obviously limited Bayern's success for a couple of years. Um, But as we all know, Bayern eventually recovered once the Nazi regime fell and we all know where they got to now. So I think it's an interesting little sort of like twist on on history. It kind of ties in a little bit to what we've spoken about before, about how sometimes political regimes can actually have an influence in sport and football. And what it also does is it shows that Fiorentina weren't the first to have a swastika on their shirt. How long did they wear that for then? Like two, three years or just... It, it's, it, did they keep honestly, playing domestic football then during the war there, did they? The, the, apparently, from what I've read, now obviously the, the, there's a lot of discussion about it, about how much has been recorded and so on. But the one thing that is fact is that football did carry on during the war and there were essentially leagues that appear, from what I've read, to have been set up even just around that time. Um, how long the badge was worn, I'm not entirely sure. If you look online, you can find sort of like the evolution of Bayern Munich's crest and what I'll do I'll dig out to share on the account one of the pictures um, that's got the evolution through the years and one of them in there is this one with the swastika in and that's what led me to have a little look into it and there is a little bit of contention about you know how much it was actually used and and so on but even so I just think it's it's an interesting little part of history and although it's a, a, a dirty little part of the past that you know some people want to brush under the carpet the one thing I would say is is Bayern, the, the, the Bayern fans and, and the history of the club, they're very proud that they stood up to the Nazi regime. And although they were a Jewish club, they did not take their shit. Um, and they they were constantly revolting. And, you know, I think it's, it's a good thing. It needs to be needs to be spoken about. 
Just spot on, Mike. We shouldn't ignore history, good or bad. We should learn from it and make sure it never happens again. As you all know, we should be celebrating the World Cup right now, but we've got to wait a few more months till we have the delights of that tournament. So in the meantime, what we thought we'd do over the next couple of weeks is each nominate our favourite World Cup tournament, go head-to-head in a mini World Cup on the Kitmad podcast. This week, we have the Battle of the Superpowers, USA 1994 versus Russia 2018, a country where you're allowed capitalism, you're allowed to expand, and a country where you're allowed to get an abortion when you want it. Right, we've got USA 1994 represented by Mike and Russia 2018 represented by Tom. Gents, let's kick off. So I think as the underdog this week, I'm going to take the stage first. I just want to set the scene for people a little bit. We're going back four years. So it's the last World Cup we had. So it's kind of fresh in the memory, but that doesn't lessen how good this World Cup was. So 2018, two years on from the Brexit vote, the country's in a little bit of turmoil. We're going to the table in Europe. We're a little bit detached. Deals trying to be made and negotiated. But overall, the vibe is not great. But 2018, summer 2018, it has its own Wikipedia page. And that's for the heat wave that hit the UK in 2018. So imagine it. We're all outside. We're all in our football shirts. We've all got a pint in hand. And we're watching the World Cup as this anthem blares out. Look how far we come now, 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 now. There's beauty in our unity we found. I'm ready, I'm ready. We still got a new way. Bit of Jason Derulo there to set the heart racing. And I think, personally, this World Cup, Russia 2018, is the best World Cup of the modern era, certainly since 1998. It's it's, it's the best one, and I'll tell you for why. There's a lot of different reasons. We had that record-breaking heatwave. We're all enjoying ourselves. England had their best showing at a World Cup since 1966, getting to the semi-finals. England won their first ever penalty shootout at a World Cup tournament, beating Colombia in the first knockout rounds. We had some iconic games in that World Cup. We saw Lionel Messi fighting valiantly to win a World Cup for Argentina and being knocked out by um, Luka Modric-inspired Croatia. We also had Spain versus Portugal, a free-all thriller, Cristiano Ronaldo hitting a hat-trick and Nacho volleying in emphatically at the far post. We saw the birth of a superstar, We had Mbappe leading France to the title. I think this is a World Cup that had everything that we love about World Cups. And it's also a World Cup that harks back a little bit to the past. So Adidas, for example, their kits, all of their kits were released based on memorable kits of the past. So if you like 1994, 1990, we had kits in 2018 that were based on the iconic kits in those tournaments. We had Colombia's kit based on 1990. We had Spain's kit, which obviously won the best at 94. We had Germany's kit replicating the 1990 shirt. And we also had Argentina's 1993 Copa America shirt. We had Belgium's 1984 Euro shirt. Adidas absolutely smashed it with these kits. And they were all harking back to eras that we loved and we could enjoy once again and then we had Nike on the flip side of things they went down a completely different route showing us lots of different templates but not all templates are bad as we know we had the Aeroswift template which won the tournament with France we got Mbappe harking back to Ronaldo R9 it was like a reincarnation brought us straight back to 1998 
Again, classic moments in that kit, the World Cup lift, Scott's favourite, Paul Pogba, Pavard's volley, one of the best World Cup goals of all time. And then Nike, they gave us some bespoke kits. So we had the Nigeria home shirt, the Croatia away, all shirts that will go down in football folklore. And then even better than all of this, we had eight different brands at the 2018 World Cup. Eight unique brands, which I think is more than any for 20 years. So people like to knock the modern football tournaments, but it's hard to knock Russia 2018, I think. And I do have a little bit of support with me. I've built a defence because I know as a modern World Cup, I'm going to be on the back foot. But I do have this sent to me from Andy, who you may all know, at the Shirt Union. Hi, everyone. It's Andy from the Shirt Union. I've been asked to help prove that 2018 was a great year for World Cup shirts. And so I present to you the England 2018 away kit for your consideration. Nike's teams featured the sound wave graphic down the sleeves, representing the noise of the crowd. Worn by the likes of Portugal, Croatia, Brazil and eventual winners France, it often came in two or three tonal colours. From far away, these shirts might appear to be rather plain, but it has that great close-up, both on pitch and in hand. What sets England's apart from the others using the template is the way in which the tonal line graphic is manipulated on the main body to form the St George's Cross. Is a very clever use of light and dark and it plays really well with negative space. It's also got those extra subtle details we crave such as a rosette on the inner neckline and a small St George's cross on the elasticated strip at the back of the neck. You need a great name set and the shirt also delivers there with a rope-like appearance twisting and turning around the curves of the numbers. And finally what you really need to make the shirt memorable is the moments. Can you get more memorable than Southgate's Young Lions banishing the nation's collective trauma by winning a penalty shootout for the first time since 1996? Jordan Pickford and Eric Dyer becoming heroes. Then in the next round, the shirt was worn again as Harry Maguire and Deli Ali scored goals, which gave us a first semi since 1990 in the World Cup. So you can keep Diana Ross. You can keep Roberto Baggio. You can keep denim shirts. What you really need is a waistcoat, a bearded man, and a general feel-good factor across the whole country. Thank you, 2018. Couldn't have said it better myself. And England riding high in that summer. But even, even, Scott, Scottish people like this World Cup. And I can prove that through my next defender. And that is Steve at Steve Shirts, who had this to say. Yeah, so I think you definitely have to make a case for them 2018 World Cup. You know, in terms of the shirts, I felt there was loads of variety, you know, great designs. You you cannot deny that there's some absolute classics born out of that World Cup. You know, I'm thinking about Nigeria home shirt, the Croatia the way shirt with the uh, blue and black uh, checks. Absolutely love that shirt, not just for the design, but, you know, it's synonymous with a fantastic Croatia team, Luka Modric. So, you know, on top of that, you had um, Germany away shirt, Japan home, Colombia home, just some really, really bold designs in there, lots of variety, like I said. And in terms of the World Cup itself, I thought it was really exciting. You know, you've got Mbappe announcing himself on the international stage. So, yeah, Team 2018 World Cup. On the turn there was McQueedy and Mbappe! Oh, yes! Again, another advocate, and Scotland weren't even there. That's what you can get with a bit of positivity, Scott. This is what this World Cup brought to all of us. What I will say, he mentioned that Germany away kit. 
I mentioned the home kit earlier. But what was better than all of that was Germany being knocked out in the first round. Mexico beating them 1-0. And then Son for South Korea, knocking them out of the tournament. Neuer now is playing as a midfield player. There's going to be another goal here. This will be it. Son, young men, 2-0. That is it. This tournament had everything. And Mike, I challenge you to come up with anything better than these arguments. And then just to finish it off, we have at 80 Football, who we all know as Jed on Twitter. And he had this to say, which I think finishes it off quite nicely. Here's three reasons why the 2018 World Cup was a great World Cup. Number one, Gareth Southgate's waistcoat. Alongside England's run to the semi-finals, it really captivated the whole country. Uh, number two, you've got some of the knockout games that were all-time classics. France v Argentina, Belgium v Japan, lots of drama. And number three, that iconic Nigeria kit, uh, which sent the football shirt world into meltdown. And is probably one of the most popular football kits ever. There's not much else you need to say, really, is there? Over to you, Mike. Okay, yeah. I mean, uh, there, there's a there's a bit of argument in there. What do you boys think? Just just before we move on to to the main event, what would you think about that one, guys? I think he's done so well there. You know, it's you haven't got the same nostalgia as probably. Uh, I don't want to preempt what you're going to say, Mike, but you haven't got the nostalgia there that other tournaments have got. And Tom and the rest of the guys have presented a really strong case there. There were some amazing games. That Tom Wolf designed Nigeria shirt, incredible. Players, you know, have we seen three quality players as good as Mbappe, Ronaldo and Messi at the same World Cup? Don't at me, we probably have. But, you know, those are three of, you know, probably the top 20 all-time players all at the same tournament at the same time, arguably at or around peak levels. Wow. Uh, Good luck, Mike. If you take out all that England crap, then, yeah, you've made a good argument. Right. Well, in that case, then I'll crack on. So... I'm putting forward USA 94. It's, for me, not just the best World Cup, but what we're talking about, the best World Cup for kids. But before we talk about all that, as Tom did, you need to take yourself back to 94. A long time ago, some of you weren't born, some of you were. So let's just get a little bit of a feel for what 94 was about. So let's talk about music first. We started off the year with Shaka Demas and Players at number one. If I ever tell you about Maxine, you only say I don't know what I know, but murder she the year couldn't have started any better than that. We move on to D Ream, we get a bit of Prince. Manchester United come in with a number one ready for their FA Cup final. And then wet, wet, wet come along and beep it up for everybody. But let's forget about that and we'll move on to some good films, shall we, from 94. We had Ace Ventura, Pet Detective. Oh, what a film. We got The Crow, cult favourite, Speed. You don't get much better than that. The Lion King, Forrest Gump, movie years don't get much better than 1994. Then we got the things that happened in 94, the events of the time. Edvard Munch's The Screen Painting was stolen before being recovered again in May. The excavation started at the home of Fred West, leading to his and Rose's arrest. And more importantly, it gave me my favourite ever fantasy football league team name, Fred West Hart. Then we had Nelson Mandela elected as president. Jeff Bezos founded Amazon. And then OJ Simpson. We, We saw him in a car chase on TV. Anybody can tell me that 94 wasn't the best year ever. You're lying. Right. And we haven't even got to the football yet. So then we get on to the World Cup and it's all kicked off 
by Diana Ross and the shittiest penalty you've ever seen in your life. It's just perfect. Anyway, the World Cup itself. We all know who won it. Brazil won it. Italy's were, were runners-up. We all agree. Probably the crappiest final we've ever seen in our life. It was it was abysmal. That's not why we're here. We're about the kits. Who finished third? Sweden. Fourth, Bulgaria. Top scorers, Stoichkov, Oleg Selenko. Oleg Selenko scored five goals in one game. I mean, that's, that's pretty good going. And then the best player of the tournament, we had Romario. And at this point, what I'm going to do, I'm going to just bring in a friend to play you a, a little bit of a soundbite as to why, why he thinks it's the best ones. For me, the 1994 World Cup was the best World Cup for shots. Not only is it the first World Cup that I remember watching, but it's for those iconic moments and those iconic goals scored in those shirts. Maradona against Greece, Hadji against Colombia, Stoichkov against Germany. Huge, huge goals scored in great, great shirts. The templates that were used were just fantastic. From the Germany template that Adidas made, and also the Adidas make for Romania, Norway, um, Bulgaria and Sweden. Um, all absolutely fantastic kits. The USA 94 will always go down as one of the greatest shirts ever made. But I think that it's the other shirts in the World Cup that stand out. Even Campos creating his own shirt and wearing that is just iconic. Good to hear from at Kings of Leon there. There we go. I think that, that's a pretty strong argument to, to get us started. So so you do, you do feel a little bit sorry, though, for Maradona being randomly selected for drug testing after that goal against Greece? <laughs> yeah, very, very, very random. I'm, I'm sure when those drug testers were sat watching the World Cup and they saw that man just in a rage screaming down the camera, there's no coincidence there at all. He's done- <laughs> but anyway, so yeah, another part that a lot, a lot of time we don't talk about about World Cups is stadiums as well. So the one thing the USA '94 had was some incredible stadiums. The Rose Bowl that that I checked this that place holds ninety four thousand one hundred ninety four people. That's an incredible stat, and I believe I didn't check this, but I think that's where the World Cup final was held as well. And then I had a quick look just to see the lowest capacity stadium was the Robert F. Kennedy, and that holds 53,121 people. So the stadiums were pretty impressive in themselves. And at this point, I'm going to bring in another friend to give us his argument and, and back me up again. Evening, lads. Dave here, or Shirts in the Shed on Twitter. And look, as honoured as I am to be asked to offer my two cents, I can't get my head around the fact that there's even a debate. As 94 had the best kids, hands down. Ten-year-old me was wetting himself, mostly figuratively, I should say, at the range of shirts on offer. And I honestly believe it was the last World Cup where designers really got to use your imagination without having to worry too much about kind of like streetwear crossover. We're mostly looking at USA for that. But uh, but even the, even the templates that were used were unanimously loved. Like, no other World Cup had a manufacturer got away with using the same template in lots of different colorways in the way that the Adidas equipment was used and actually was praised for it unanimously. But look, finally, that's before we even talk about a crazy little Mexican keeper who managed to design the greatest ever goalkeeper shirt specifically for the tournament. No other shirts from any other World Cup has ever personified the style of the era like the shirts at 94. 
And we should be praising them for that fact instead of pretending that any other tournament has even come close. Cheers, lads. I think he puts across pretty convincing argument there. And uh, so, so next, I'm going to move on to players like you did, Tom. Talk about players. So you, you named some good ones that were at 2018. Do they compare to 94? Just to name a few, we had Stoichkov, Klinsman, Romario, Brolin, Selenko, Vanidi George, Baggio, Alexi Lalas, Maradona, Valderrama. That's, that's just a few. And some of the moments we had, as we've already touched on, we had where the Maradona goal versus Greece and that ridiculous celebration down the camera. We had, do, do you guys remember the uh, Saudi Arabia goal? Uh, Saeed al Oran against uh, Belgium. They won that game 1-0 as well. Yeah, the Saudis break very sharply. What a terrific run this is. Wonderful piece of football. He's still in here. Oh, that's the greatest goal of the tournament. Unbelievable goal, one of the goals of the century, let alone the tournament. Incredible. And then for the Irish, that Ray Houghton goal against Italy, that game, what a game. And again, the shirt they're wearing has become an absolute favourite. But now we'll move on to the meat and potatoes of this argument, and that is the kits. I mean, is, is there a World Cup with more iconic kits on show? Than, than we had in in the USA. So we've got the, the USA shirts themselves, the denim and the stripes. Uh, I mean, as I say, as a pairing, unbelievable. We've got the Germany home and away. Amazing template, one of the best ever. My personal favourites, we've got the Nor- the Norway home and away. Then we, you know, same template as the home. We go on to Bulgaria, Romania, Sweden, incredible. We've got Morocco by Lotto, those incredible huge badges that just were emblazoned across their chest. I think people forget Russia with their incredible Reebok shirts they had at that time. And we haven't even mentioned Colombia with Valderrama in those Umbro shirts. They were just amazing. Um, there just simply wasn't a bad kit at the tournament. So for the next person that I've got to back me up is you boys will know Ollie Wakefield because he has pretty much all bar a few of these shirts. They're incredible. So I'm just going to let him have his say now. Hiya, guys. Hope you're well. It's Ollie here. Um, so the best World Cup, particularly where shirts are involved, for me is USA 1994. Now, it's actually quite funny. I'm a collector of 94 shirts predominantly. But I was actually born after the tournament. But after watching the three most recent World Cups and then going into collecting 94 shirts, it's amazing to see the evolution of international football. You know, the commercialisation of more recent tournaments with things such as sponsors, new stadiums, etc. And then you go back to 94 and there's a lot less of that. And I think this is represented within the kits themselves. The idea that these manufacturers had the licence to be so creative and innovative to the point where some kits were too creative, as we saw with Cameroon. So for sure, 94 the last was the last time kits were so extravagant. And extravagance is definitely a good thing. Some of my personal favourites are the USA Home and Away with the traditional stars and stripes. Then Morocco's amazing Lotto shirt with the huge badges. And of course, the two amazing Nigeria shirts. And these are just a handful of shirts I can mention. And even though templates did exist back then, when we compare them to the likes of the 2002 Nike templates, I think the difference in creativity and overall aesthetic is huge. And then, of course, you have these magnificent shirts showcased by the legends. You know, Argentina's away will always be iconic with the late Diego Maradona. Their Italy home and Baggio's missed penalty. Roberto Baggio, the saviour of Italy throughout this tournament. He's And then you've got your more underrated icons such as Hagi and Stoichkov with Romania and Bulgaria. 
and you think of these players, you immediately go back to 1994, which for me, hands down, has the best shirts of any World Cup. Cheers, guys. There we go. I think there's a pretty strong argument that 94 beats 2018. I do have one more friend that's going to speak for us, um, so we'll play Colin in. Hello again, Kitpod. It's Colin Black, or a great left foot, 84. So World Cup shirts, um, I'm a huge fan. In terms of what's the best World Cup, I think it's it's a close call between Italia 90 and US 94. There were so many manufacturers, if you look at it. Nike weren't there yet, but there was loads of other manufacturers. And they just were sort of looked like they were trying to out-90s each other. Adidas were heavily there, but I think the templates that they used were some of their strongest ever. But despite all the jazz, my favourite kit's probably the Italian home shirt. Every time I see it on my rail at home, I have to stop and admire it. Um, Just reminds me instantly of Baggio's little frame, barely feeling this baggy shirt as he skips past another defender. Or the Bulgaria way reminds me of, sorry, the Bulgaria home shirt reminds me of um, probably Jordan Lechkov's last remaining hairs getting stuck to the ball as he launched himself for his match-winning diving header in the quarterfinals against uh, Germany. 94 all the way, baby. Wow, so when, when I think of 94, it's probably the first World Cup I was actively watching every single game. I remember staying up late to watch the games. I remember having the wall chart in my bedroom. I remember having the computer game with that stupid dog mascot at the beginning doing keepy-uppies. That was a really rubbish game. Um, but yeah, that's the first one that really sticks in my head as being the one I remember. You know, I do remember Italian ninety, but the one I really, really, really remember watching every game was USA ninety four. I think this is a really interesting argument, and I think Mike has picked a Mike has picked a classic World Cup in terms of, like he said, all those kits he's mentioned, all the templates. But I think. By picking the templated World Cup, he's played into Tom's hands because Tom has very interestingly selected a modern World Cup, which we all know aren't as popular, but he's picked the very World Cup that the whole basis of Adidas's shirts were a throwback to all of those classic shirts. So you lit, you have the originals versus the, the rebrands or the throwbacks. So I think it's a really... A really interesting argument. For example, if you'd have, you know, 2014 would have got murdered by 94, but the fact he's picked, it's a, it's an original World Cup versus a throwback World Cup. So I think it's a really, it's a really, really interesting argument. But the most interesting thing about this is that you three all watched 94 like Scottish fans watch World Cups. So I'm interested, <laughs> you know, it's, in, it's interesting that an Englishman's picked away, <laughs> picked probably apart from the ones that we made Scotland's favorite ever world cup because we didn't have to we didn't have to watch England I think that the truth is I think that part of it is is that for, for me is is weird as it sounds maybe maybe even subconsciously you know think about it but maybe okay I was only 10 at the time but there was no heartbreak there was no stress there was there was no pain involved it was just enjoy football the the first major tournament I can remember as a kid it was incredible to watch. I remember just being completely immersed in it. And and for me personally, I've touched on this before on my Twitter account and stuff. It's the World Cup that started my kit obsession as well, because I just, I remember the kits so vividly. I remember wanting that Norway so much. And, and then so many others that go with it. I think it's just, it's incredible. I think 
it will probably tap into a lot of people around our sort of like age who do remember it as their first World Cup. But I do agree with you. I think that as far as modern World Cups go, I think 2018 is is obviously by far and away, as, as Tom said, uh, I'd agree it's the best since 98. It's interesting you say about your first ever World Cup because I think that that's Tom will be able to Tom will be similar to me because we're slightly younger than you two. But for me, the first World Cup, well, the first tournament I ever watched was Euro '96. So I have a big, I have a huge love for Euro '96 shirts, and Scotland were there. But also, some you know the the World, I probably feel the same way about '98 as you two do about 94, because that was, you know, the first World Cup that I watched. And I think that'll put, that'll play into a lot of people's votes as well, Mike, because as you said, I think that age group will, it seems to be a common theme whenever we speak about these things in, in terms of World Cups, is that everybody has, the, the first World Cup they remember watching seems to have that hold on. Tom put forward a good argument, but I fear that nostalgia will, will best him, but you should be you should be proud you've brought forward such a good argument for such a modern World Cup, Tom. I th- I think um, one thing I will say, Mike almost won the debate immediately when he brought up Diana Ross's penalty. I will fully admit that, <laughs> and I will say I know which set of players would be more fun on a night out. Well, a tournament that started with a bad penalty and finished with a bad penalty, but we're going to do this Eurovision style. So what we're going to do is we're going to do judges' votes on the pod this week and next week and then we're going to go to the viewers votes as well with polls during midweek so for the time being Scott you and me have got all the power in terms of the judges votes we're going to decide between you and me whether we go for Russia 2018 or USA 1994 as our picks Scott do you want to go first or should I go first I think you should go first I was very surprised by Tom's very good argument for Russia 2018 and I do think if we're having this debate again in 20 years' time, my result, my thought might be different. But I can't look past 1994 right now. Just before we go on to Scott, it was Shakademus and Pliers that won it, wasn't it? Yeah, you got me. Like I didn't listen to anything else you said after that. I yeah. just listened to what was number one single at the beginning of the year. I did in WH Smith's single chart when and bought it. I'm actually finding this surprisingly harder than I thought I would. And I think it's because, as we said, I, I don't have that nostalgic hold on USA 94. And I thought a fair way to do it would be to, how many, you know, do I have more shirts from one World Cup than the other? And it's, it's, actually, it's actually pretty even, which is surprising, because I really, really loved the throwback element of 2008. And as we all know, I'm a big... Um, I was a big Mbappe slash PSG Jordan fan. So I obviously had to get the, the France shirt after his shown in the World Cup. So I couldn't, I, I, it wasn't enough to sway the argument. It was quite even. And listening to your arguments, maybe I just have to go the patriotic route. I mean, Tom, 90% of your argument was to do with how good you felt because England did all right. And I think for the, the, the current the current feeling is to go 94 and AD made a good point. I think in 20 years time, you'd be on to a winner, but I think we'll have to go 94, you know, the denim shirts, the Adidas template, you had things like, remember how good Hendrik Larson was uh, in USA 94 and that's uh, Adidas template with the Sweden shirts. They're iconic as well. And 
Ronaldo's first ever World Cup. Didn't play a single minute, but he got the medal. So that's a, that was one of my favourite shirts. You know, the image. I shared the Baggio shirt the other day, and that image is just so iconic. Stood there in that beautiful shirt in probably the worst moment of his life. And even though it's a, it, you know, it's, it's a sad picture, it's just... It's so iconic. So I think I'm I think I'm gonna I have to agree with Aidy on this one. And Scott, what we're gonna say is we agree, it's 1994. We get 10% of votes each. We didn't have to agree, but for the purpose of the poll that's going out midweek, 1994 has got a 20% head start when we do that poll, 10% each. That's how we're gonna do this. Look out for the poll, get your votes in. We'll let uh, Tom and Mike add some um, ammunition to the Twitter feed. Really enjoyed that, lads. Let's move on to Shirt Room 101. I give up. An absolute disgrace. I am flabbergasted. Analyze it till the cows come home. Shocking. I am. I am disgusted with it. Hi guys, it's these football shirts here, or at these footy shirts on Twitter. My room 101 suggestion is the overly critical reaction to shirts that are deemed plain. I think that for more innovative boundary pushing designs to have that proper woe factor, shirts need to go through. A much simpler or traditional phase it's almost like a cycle otherwise we just get crazy design after crazy design and it all becomes a bit of a mess a recent example of this is the current liverpool home shirt a simple all red design with some nice details on the cuffs on the flip side rewind to the launch of the 21 22 home shirt which was a boundary pushing design with bright crimson zigzags and cuffs which was met with much disdain and cries for something more traditional so, guys, over criticism of plain design, going to give you 22 words each. Mike? I don't even need 22 words. 100% behind this. Nothing wrong with plain shirts. Just get that criticism in the bin. Yeah, I'll go next. I agree. I think as a Chelsea fan, the plainest shirts we have are our best shirts. As long as the colour is right and it's the right shade of blue, I'm a big fan. They, they can't go in. Scott, usual rules apply. You've got 44 words. Yes, I completely agree with the other two. I think a plain shirt, a plain shirt pulled off right can be can look classy and especially on the field I think they look they have that classic element think about older shirts you know before they had the the technology they were all plain and some of them are absolutely beautiful so you get the throwback element plain shirts are great agreed can't disagree with any of you I think it's, and particularly you know he's quoted bigger clubs there you know Liverpool you want something that's instantly recognisable as a Liverpool shirt you know Roma you want instantly recognise a Roma shirt it doesn't need to be too crazy you can let yourself go on the away the third the fourth if not keep home shirts for two years the fifth and the sixth um, I, I'm, I'm okay with this that's probably the quickest 101 we've ever done isn't it we all agree we all agree blimey this is what it feels like to agree and be friends Finally did it. You got a Scotsman to agree with three Englishmen. We've all agreed with Scott. There you go, Scott. We all agree with you. In fairness to you, Scott, you know, the, the listeners have sided with you the last two weeks in terms of the poll results. I can officially say this week that this pod is not. Beep, beep. So that wraps up this week's pod. Thank you ever so much for listening. Yeah, thanks so much, guys. Thanks for listening to mine and Mike's arguments. We'll be back next week with Scott versus AD. So please join us and please don't forget to drop us a review. Cheers. Bye. <laughs>